Hey everybody, it's Connor from the Hoopercast. It's Monday, December 17th. Christmas time is here. And so is some film news on the Hoopercast Daily, so allow me to deliver it to you, which is, I presume, what you've come here for. If you're here for the first time, that's great. This is a little daily episode. We have longer episodes that we do, particularly and featuring, of course, the main event, the Hoopercast Movie Hour, on Wednesday nights. Um, sometimes live on Facebook, not this week. Um, but, uh, episode should be out Monday night, early Thursday or sorry. Well, it makes no sense. Wednesday night, early Thursday. So stay tuned for that. So thanks for checking out this episode. Stick close. This is a shorter one. That's just a couple items of film news that I wanted to hit before they became old news because I found them interesting. Number one, Film uh, piece of film news today is a brand spanking new piece of film news. Um, Lauren Michaels is sending Pete Davidson to get help. Now, who is Pete Davidson? Who is Lauren Michaels? If you don't know, Lauren Michaels is the chief. Um, what is it? I guess the the executive producer creator of Saturday Night Live. If you've heard any comedian from that show at all ever talk about getting started on the show, they've mentioned Lauren Michaels in the interview. So, if you don't know who Lauren Michaels is, you maybe the story's not for you. But I, I feel like he's a household name if you. If Saturday Night Live is a household name. Anyway. Um, but you might say, who is Pete Davidson? Now, there was a Peter Davidson. Doctor Who. Not that guy. This one. Pete Davidson, the the cast member of the show. Um, Pete Davidson's in the news quite a bit lately. Um, he was engaged to Ariana Grande. And then they broke up pretty suddenly. Um, he got in a hot water like a month ago for uh, kind of... Uh, saying disrespectful things about, I believe it was a congressman out of Texas. I believe I should have done a little bit of research here, but uh, anyway, disrespectful about uh, um, an elected official uh, for having an eye patch because he lost his eye in Afghanistan. He's a um, veteran. And then they sort of made up and did that on the show. And it was a really cool segment where everyone kind of came together and the guy took it in stride, took some shots at Pete, Pete, took it in stride, deserved it. And then, uh, they shook hands and it was actually a really nice moment. Anyways, that's Pete Davidson. Um, well, Pete Davidson also apparently on Saturday put out something on, uh, on his Instagram page. And, uh, it was a somewhat of a cry for help. He wrote, um, I really don't want to be on this earth anymore. I'm doing my best to stay here for you, but I actually don't know how much longer I can last. Um, so this freaked a lot of people out, a lot of his fans out, a lot of his friends and relatives out. Um, his ex, Ariana Grande herself, turned up at 30 Rock to check on him because at the time, I think they were about to do the show or something. I don't know. Anyways, um, but everyone was afraid he was going to commit suicide. Um, and uh, and but he didn't want to see her. Um, but there was sort of a well, I think they, they came into like a wellness check. The NYPD came by to do a wellness check. Um so Lauren Michaels is like, okay, like we're this, we got to do something about this. So he cut all the sketches with Pete in them, like right, you know, right before dress rehearsals for the show. Um, and, uh, he told, um, um, and is allegedly getting, trying to get him help, which obviously is in his best interest. And of course, just as a human being, you know, is going to look after his cast member. Um, Everyone's apparently really concerned about Pete Davidson. Um, and, uh, and, and I, I mean, I am, I mean, as concerned as I can be for someone I don't know, which I hope on a base level can mean concerned 
Um, just aside from this incident for a second, just to establish my my feelings on Pete Davidson before um, this incident. Um, I don't have much of an opinion on Pete Davidson. He seems like he seemed. I'll, I'll, I'll use past tense because we don't. Before today, he seemed kind of like a jackass to me. Um, and no offense to people who look like him who might listen to the show. He looks like a jackass. He has like bleach blonde hair, like like bleach, not like oh yeah, it's like from California. He's like it's bleached. It's he he just looks he looks I don't know. Just just go Google Pete Davidson, and he just he kind of looks. He's not my not not my type of dude that I'm typically like. Oh, I'm gonna follow this guy's career, um, and the way he acts is kind of douchey. I heard him when he was engaged to Ariana Grande. He was on the Howard Stern show, and I listened to his interview. And yeah, that's the way he talks. And yeah, man, it's crazy. It's like, oh, okay. You just see, he just seems like a douchebag to me. Okay, he did. Sorry, maybe I seem like a douchebag to you right now. That's okay. I don't know you. That's all right. That's. That's how I feel. That's how I felt about him. I don't know what else to say. I'm not going to lie to you and say, oh, yeah, he's, oh, he's great. I love Pete Davidson. I don't. I don't. I had very little awareness of him, and anything I'd read or heard from him himself was that he's a douchebag. Then he said that thing about the about the veteran, about making fun of him for having one eye. I thought that was pretty shitty. So um, I had a, my baseline for Pete Davidson was um, a, a, a <laughs> below-average opinion of his character, okay? And uh, I didn't think he was particularly funny on the show. I don't know what his, I'm not quite sure what his talent on the show is. He must write a lot of sketches because in terms of performing, he sucks. So flash forward to today. Um, so this happens. Obviously, all those opinions about him get thrown out the window when you see a person who is having something going on with mental health, which is a big topic in our country now. It should be. It's a gigantic problem in society. You could trace it all the way back to, you know, the shutdown of a lot of state hospitals, um, you know, who instead of taking in patients and getting people checked in and getting them well, um, you got a lot of crazy people just roaming the streets. I use crazy as a, I'm not trying to be insensitive just, just for the sake of moving this along. You got a lot of mentally unwell people roaming the streets, some of them committing crimes, some of them just helpless against other people committing crimes upon them. And some people, and you know, the entertainment industry does attract a certain amount of people who, um, just like any industry, but notably entertainment, because they're all in the spotlight, you know, you're going to have people who, um, who have mental health issues and who thankfully now are being open about them with their fans. Um, and especially now in 2018, almost 2019 now, we are very open, nowhere near where we should be, but we are so much more open about mental health now than we were a decade ago and certainly like 50 years ago my god no one talked about mental health in the 60s it was just just oh get over it you know get over it why are you crying what's your problem i i used to think that not about mental health but just in, in a general sense it was just what are you what are you complaining about like i i i can grit and bear it why can't you well, Connor, because you surprisingly are a little bit more well-adjusted than some people out there who have different brain chemistry. And Pete Davis himself was by was uh, diagnosed with bipolar disorder. And I think he had some substance abuse problems. Like he was uh he was he was in a treatment program, um, but he's and and I, and I'll say this again about his appearance. He looked like he looked and acted like someone. He always did seem out of it to me. I didn't know if he was like drunk or if he was on some kind of, you know, under the influence of some other substance 
or if that was just that's just his baseline personality and look, which is kind of sad when you when someone looks like they're on drugs but they're completely clean. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, wow. Were you previously on drugs heavily? Because I feel like it's influenced your your posture, your demeanor, your speech, everything. But Peter David Pete Davidson um, would smoke and drink. He smokes a little weed. That's not really what I'm talking about. I'm talking more about having a heavy substance problem like alcohol and maybe whatever else he, he's on. This article doesn't say. Page six doesn't specify what he's in treatment for. It doesn't really matter. What matters is that he has... He uses substances to regulate his mood because he has a very serious mood disorder called bipolar disorder, which is huge. It messes up. Uh, it can break up families. It's 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 no joke. Um. So and his life has been pretty chaotic, especially after his breakup with um, Mrs. Grande. Um. So, anyways. They cut all the sketches. He was in a pre-taped um, bit that already happened, and then he introduced um, the band one time. Uh, it says instead of going to the after party, um, he left 30 Rock and his friend, another artist named Machine Gun Kelly, um, came to pick him up, who had flown into New York just to check on him. So that's a good friend right there. Uh, Machine Gun Kelly said, I'm in the plane now and on the way to see Pete. Going to make sure he's good. I promise. I can't have my boy in darkness, in the darkness like that. Um, so Davidson, who's revealed he's moved back in with his mom, Amy, since his split from Grande, entered a treatment program in December 2016. But in September, he told Howard Stern he went back to drinking and smoking following his diagnosis of borderline personality disorder. I'm sorry, borderline personality disorder. I'm, I, excuse me, I said bipolar disorder. I saw BPD in the article. I thought... I thought BPD was bipolar disorder, is it not? Anyway, borderline personality disorder. Okay, well, it's, you know, that's also bad. Um, I'm mentioning all this to you because one, if you hate Pete Davidson, like I, I, I would put myself, look, in the thumbs up or thumbs down category on Pete Davidson, I would have put him in thumbs down. Like I don't care for him. But I'm just mentioning this in case you feel that way as well. Take a little pity on the guy because he's having some trouble. And... I think the knee-jerk reaction, especially some of my friends on the right, might say, well, not my friends, but people I know on the right, might say, oh, well, screw him. He said terrible things about a veteran, or he's an SNL cast member. I mean, these days, just working on the show is enough to get you blacklisted from you know a lot of conservative circles, because the show is not friendly to the president or to conservative you know values in general, in my opinion. So there's some people out there who I'm sure are are acting like I said earlier. Oh, well, tough. You know, now he knows what it, uh, yeah, I don't know, something like, <laughs> probably something really stupid, like, oh, he's rich, he'll be fine. I don't think Pete Davidson's rich. Um, the cast members of that show are paid, I'm sure, handsomely, but nowhere near what you would think they're paid for being people starting out on that show. Remember how a couple weeks ago I said the Oscars didn't pay the host very much because they considered it like a privilege to be hosting the Oscars and like a platform to launch their careers. And I said that that was stupid because everyone who hosts the Oscars, everyone who has hosted the Oscars in the past 50 years has been already gigantically famous. Um, So that was a stupid, weak ass excuse from the Oscars just to be cheap fucks. Anyways, so Saturday Night Live is what the Oscars claims to be. It's a really large platform with a lot of amateur comedian, not amateur in that sense, but like amateur, like, hey, this this is their first big exposure to a national audience as a comedic performer, and this is their chance to showcase their talents. So I 
obviously you get paid more for SNL than you do for the Oscars. It's a lot more work. It's a lot, you know, obviously you're on it for many years. A few contract gets, gets picked up, but Saturday Night Live is that opportunity. It is that, Hey, we're doing you a favor. Now you have national exposure. If you do well in SNL, you can launch a movie or a TV career. So many of those, of those cast members go on to long careers outside of the show, unless you're Keenan Thompson. But, um, so yeah, Pete Davidson might be richer than you, but he's not rich in like the, in uh, compared to the rest of the industry, not by a long shot. And it doesn't really matter. Another thing you might not know (laughs) is that money doesn't make people magically happy in a lot of ways, in a lot of ways, it makes people a lot more sad And and it can worsen problems that people already have. So have a little pity uh, on Pete Davidson because the guy's hurting um, whether he was really about to commit suicide or not. I like to think that he wasn't because I, that's horrible if he was, but I like to think that he saw the value in reaching out and crying for help. And thankfully people answered and you know, his friends, people love one, people who care about him, his cast members, you know, even his ex fiance reached out and said, please, 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 what can I do to help? So that's a really um, positive, positive thing, I think, Um, even for someone, you know, and again, you have to apply it whether you like people or not. I assume anyone listening who knows who Peter Davison, Pete Davison is, likes him, or at least is neutral on him. But just in case you're listening to this and you don't know who this is, or you hate that guy, yeah, well, you know, maybe you'll feel a touch bad for him right now. Anyway, that's on page six.com. If you want to read any more about that. Another article I have is something completely different. It's on IndieWire. This, this story is about a week old, but I've seen it keep circulating. I feel like, <laughs> I feel like the internet is trying to make something of this and, uh, and, and it's not working. So it keeps, it's staying in the film news cycle. So hell, I'll just talk about it now because I have a different take on it. This particular copy of the story is on IndieWire.com, written by Zach Scharf. Hello, Mr. Scharf. Scharf Attack. He should call his article Scharf Attack. Lucretia Martel turned down Black Widow after Marvel told her, don't worry about action scenes. So who's Lucretia Martel? I didn't know either. She's Argentinian. She's a, she's a director. Um, she's previously directed. Um, I'm, I'm really, I'm unfamiliar with her career. For, uh, to be sure, she directed something called Zama. I don't know what that is. But Lucretia Martel was um, in early talks to direct this Black Widow solo film. Um, so, or she was on the short list enough to have discussions with them about how would you approach this, what would you want to do, blah blah blah. And from the sounds of this article, she was pretty pretty far through the talks because they were talking about stuff as detailed as action sequences. Um, she told, um, well, but she's saying, she told this, um, the, this daily pioneer, um, paper in, um, India that her interest quote, her interest in the Marvel film did not go beyond her first meeting with the studio. She said, I received an email from Marvel for a meeting. So I went to the reunion, the 10 year anniversary reunion. I actually signed this thing where I can't talk about the reunion. Marvel and other such production houses are trying to involve more female filmmakers. What they told me in the meeting was, quote, we need a female director because we need someone who is mostly concerned with the development of Scarlett Johansson's character. Marvel continued. They also told me, don't worry about the action scenes. We will take care of that. I was thinking, well, 
I would love to meet Scarlett Johansson, but I would also love to make the action sequences. So this article goes on. With Marvel seemingly not interested in Martell's approach to Black Widow's action scenes, the director decided to pass on the gig. Marvel announced in July it officially hired Berlin Syndrome lore and Somersault director Kate Shortland to direct the movie. Shortland will be the MCU's first solo female filmmaker, as Anna Bowden is the co-director for of this March's Captain Marvel with Ryan Fleck. Uh, Ms. Martell went on to say, Companies are interested in female filmmakers, but they still think action scenes are for male directors. The first thing I asked them was maybe if they could change the special effects because there's so many laser lights, I find them horrible. Also, the soundtrack of Marvel films is quite horrendous. Maybe we disagree on this, but it's really hard to watch a Marvel film. It's painful to the ears to watch Marvel films. Okay. Um, All right. So so there's the rest of this stuff with a couple of um, things to point out here. Um. The article does point out a counterpoint I'm about to go into, which is um, it should be noted that, that the studio is known to give stunt coordinators and VFX specialists a lot of responsibility when it comes to capturing action scene coverage. Marvel has been able to lure high profile directors without much action filmmaking experience like Taika Waititi, Ryan Coogler, Kenneth Branagh, Scott Derrickson, etc. for this reason. Um, so, yeah. OK, some thoughts on this. So. I'll take this from a neutral because obviously I'm a fan of the Marvel film, so I'm I'm not going to come at this as as a representative of Marvel or a Marvel fan um, against this unknown director, unknown to me at least, obviously. But I'm sure most people I would talk to and you might talk to don't know who she is. If you do, then that's great because that means you know a lot more than me, and you've probably seen some amazing films I've never even heard of. So congratulations. Um. So. Let's just say that, okay, so I'm going to nitpick something she said real quick. Um, I, fi- um, I find the special effects horrible. Um, I love the special effects. The special effects are um, are extremely well done in the Marvel films. I am speaking as a fan here, not as a neutral arbiter for a second. Um, but, I th- but I would think that lots of people have, have championed the effects in these films. And um, that's a small point. The larger point, I'm going to work up the ladder here. Um, also, the soundtrack of Marvel films is quite horrendous. Um, it's really hard to watch a Marvel film. It's painful to the ears to watch Marvel films. I'm not sure if she means the score. She says soundtrack, but let's for a second. Let's just. OK, if she meant the score, um, I guess so. Although I'm not sure which film she's talking about. She's kind of you're lumping 22 very different films in with each other. But um I would say the score for maybe a few of the films is kind of forgettable, but for most of them, the the score is actually really good. Um, you know, and if she's talking about the soundtrack, like the licensed music they decide to use, I fully disagree with that. First of all, if you've ever seen Guardians of the Galaxy or Guardians of the Galaxy 2 or a lot of other, of, the, of especially the more recent films, um, then you're out of your mind if you agree with that because the the, the soundtracks have been universally praised um, across the board. People who like comic book movies, people who don't care for them have all said, I mean, the soundtrack of Guardians of the Galaxy, um, well, I don't have any stats in front of me. It was extremely popular. I saw that thing and the second film's uh, soundtrack on vinyl and Target the other day. I mean, they're selling it on vinyl, they're selling a lot of things on vinyl now, but the soundtrack to a movie is is so popular that they put it out even on vinyl. I mean, the Black Panther soundtrack it got it got nominated for a Grammy. And you're saying the soundtrack is quite horrendous? I think literally everyone disagrees with that. 
and I don't know how, again, like I don't want to pull this card, but I will just a little bit. She's Argentinian. I don't know that she would like much American music anyways. Possibly. Maybe she does. I don't know. Let's assume for a second that she does. Okay. That has nothing to do with her, 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 her background. Okay. Cause it probably doesn't. Let's just pretend it doesn't. Cause that's, that's the, that's, you know, that's a nice thing to do. Again, universal praise for the soundtracks. So you might be on an island on your own there. So when it comes to the action sequences and, and her opinion of what happened with them, the article again pointed out that um, the stunt coordinators and the VFX team do a lot of, I'm not going to say the work, um, because you're ultimately under the umbrella of the director as well. But it's long sort of been rumored and sort of uh, educatedly guessed and pretty accurately guessed that the reason you can grab all these indie filmmakers who have only made one or two films and have and put them in these real stunt and action heavy movies is because that sort of stuff is largely um, outsourced and shepherded by the studio as a whole. Um, I And it seems fully realistic and, and um, possible that this is true, which is why maybe people talk about the action sequences, maybe not looking alike, but I'll say this. As the films went on and, and characters started appearing in each other's movies, it kind of became necessary for the for the action to not have a certain fluidity to it that could mimic characters. But you couldn't have a bunch of the stunt work in a Captain America film look incredibly different from a Thor film outside of the context of their worlds, you know, the 1940s and then, you know, space and other planets and stuff. So obviously they're going to look different as different as the films look to each other, but these characters still have to appear together on screen together. And it helps a little bit when you can kind of gear the visuals towards each other so that once you mix them together, it's not a weird shock. And that's why the Avengers work so well. That's why Ultron works so well. That's why all these movies, civil war, infinity war, uh, presumably Endgame. That's why all this stuff works so well. Um, so there's that. I don't think this is a male-female thing. I know she's trying to spin it up as this sexist thing, and I'm sure that's why this story is getting so much play, because one, Marvel's on top, so let's pick it Marvel. Number two, um, sexism is bad, obviously. Uh, number three, we're trying to, it seems, turn every story about a director being slighted about having to do with her race or sex. Um, I don't think that's the case here. So... Um, Marvel's interested in female filmmakers and maybe it's too, maybe it's a, maybe it's not too little too late, but maybe it's a long time coming. It is a long time coming. Um, in general, in the industry, it's a long time coming for female directors. But I've said from the beginning of this issue happening, you don't hire a female director just for the sake of having a female director. Like, Oh, Oh, cool. We checked that box. Cause that's kind of an insult to them and to, um, you know, other directors who might've been better for the job. Um, as wrong as it would be to hire a male director, even though there's a better female director on the roster. It goes both ways, okay? So that's number one. Um, number two, I think what she did was walk into a situation where either she's on a, I feel like this happens to a lot of directors. I feel like this happened to Edgar Wright. And, um, and, and probably... Um, Oh man, who was supposed to direct Black Panther? Um, uh, Ava DuVernay. I'm, I'm sure it's what happened to the two of them. They got into talks. They did a bunch of you know front end, not front end work. Now, now they did more work on maybe her and Ava DuVernay are on the same plane. But like Edgar Wright had written a lot of the script. I mean, a lot of the the concept and the visuals and the conceit of Ant Man came from Edgar Wright. So he was actually pretty deep into pre production when they 
when they split. And Dustin and I had this conversation way back about something else. I think since then, Kevin Feige and Marvel in general have probably worked to be a lot more upfront and forthcoming with people about what they want to do with the the film. The film. I'm sure they were forthcoming to begin with, but what they've probably changed since Edgar Wright is we need to know a lot earlier if something's not going to work so that we don't waste anyone's time. So we don't waste the director's time. They don't waste our time and we can get a replacement and get in here without affecting the release date. So this to me seems like one of those, Hey, we're going to have a meeting and we really need you either hundred percent in or out, or it's not going to work. And she probably came in with some great ideas and they probably said, that's cool. And I don't think that they said this to her. The whole, um, don't worry about the action scenes. We'll take care of that. Um, I don't think that was meant as, well, you're a woman, so you don't know anything about action sequences. So let the big boys handle that. I don't think it was that sort of thing. Okay. I think what they said, well, I think what they pretty much said in so many words was we have a system, we have a team, we have, we have a way we like to do the action sequences. It's the same for all these films and it's not personal. Um, it's just the way we like to do things. So if you, if you, if you're not cool with that, then maybe you're not right for this project. No hard feelings. That's just the way we want to do stuff. So let's go ahead and get this out of the way. Are you cool with this or not? And so she wanted to make the action sequences as any director would. Um, but, um, didn't, or, you know, decided, you know, they parted ways and I'm sure a couple of directors, I mean, I don't get the feeling that Taika Waititi had such an abundance of need for control to where he was like, nope, I'm going to make these action sequences and then caved. I get the feeling he didn't care. I was like, sure. Cause I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> um, maybe the same for Ryan Coogler. I'm not sure. Um, I don't know how many action sequences Kenneth Branagh has directed and Scott Der- Derrickson, to my knowledge has directed none. He came from horror. So, you know, um, you just, you have to kind of read between the lines here. Like if, if you understand the way I think I do, how these movies are made, it's not, I don't know. I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to word this carefully. Um, it's not a sexism thing, at least to me. It's just a, it's a Marvel thing. It's a, this is how we shoot these movies. This, this part, this portion of, of, the director's normal duties is pretty much falls to the producers and the stunt team from Marvel headquarters, shall we say. Um, so take from that what you will, but that's my spin on it. So if, if you're, you know, angry at Marvel, if you heard that story, you didn't hear that story and you wanted to listen to it, just, just keep in mind, like, I don't read that as a, as a bunch of sexism. I think it's just, if you want to report this in any way, you just, I, to me, the headline would be um, Marvel, Marvel turns down another director because they want to shoot their own action sequences. So I don't think it, yeah, see, it's the way they wrote it in the, in the log line even says the word sexist in the keywords. So um, yeah, I disagree with that, the reading of that situation, but I also could be wrong. Kevin Feige might well, might very well be a gigantic sexist, but I don't think they would have still hired a female director. They would have hired, you know, like a big dude to, to direct it and not another woman. So yeah, I don't think it's that sexist because, because <laughs> another, another director took the job. So 
Anyways, okay, so yeah, sorry, that's that's the that's it. That's it for this daily episode. So uh, stay tuned uh, later in the week for the movie hour and a couple other extra things we're probably gonna record, um, especially before the holidays. I might record a couple things to release while we're on hiatus, while we're on um, holiday hiatus for uh, until after the new year. Um, so if it if if we do that, then that's what you'll see in your feed. And if we don't, you'll see nothing. You get nothing, nothing. Anyway, see you guys later. Good night. Bye.